Hello, and welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. Good morning, everyone. You guys can grab a seat. Uh, today is uh, family service, which is people are like, wait, what, what's that mean exactly? We, we do these on purpose. We do these with the intention of reminding the church that we aren't always meant to be segregated. We value uh, immensely our age-specific classes, and we believe that there's a space for both of those. But on Sundays like this, we feel like as a church, it's probably good for us to model what it means to, to teach and to care for and to care about uh, those that are the smaller people in the room, and not little people, but like smaller people, like children in the room. And so we, uh, we value families. We value uh, the, the fact that there, I know some of you are here like, well, I don't have any kids. Uh, that's okay. Whether you've had kids or plan on never having kids again, or, or never having kids, or whether, yeah, planning on never having kids again, that's where I am, sorry. Um, <laughs> if you've had kids or you, uh, you, your kids are gone or you may never have kids, as a part of the church that God puts together, you are on the hook, if this is your home church, for the kids that are in this room. Every single one of you play a role in this, and this is one of the most beautiful things, I think, about a church, is that this is a safe space for your kids to see the outworking of what it means to follow Jesus through many different people. And so we, we do these with the intent to, to kind of come together to remember that we're supposed to be together as a group. This is why we say in our gospel communities that we don't always want to segregate kids off. Again, we, we value both. Both are really, really good. Let me say this as clearly as possible. If you are a parent here today and you bring your kids into this room every single Sunday and then you go home and you never spend any time talking to your kids about who Jesus is, you are failing them as a parent. If you are a parent and you drop your kids off at all the age-specific things and think, let the professionals teach them who Jesus is, and you never, ever talk to your kids about who Jesus is or the outworking of it, you are failing them as a parent. Both are meant to be alongside of you as parents. We want to come alongside you as parents to love you. If you're here today and you're like, I'm in college, I don't know if I'll ever have kids, that's great. You play a vital role in the kids behind you. See, every single one of us are to be training and teaching people that are younger than us. Um, I have seen many children and many kids that have become adults that have both attended all church services or church activities as a family and many kids that have attended all age-specific classes all the way through that have walked away from church or God or claimed that they never believed. So it cannot just be a once-a-week thing. It has to be something that does this together. And it also, I'm asking you as a parent, as one of the parents in this church, if you have had kids or you don't have kids, please, please, Look at my children. Look at the children around you and find out ways to show them who Jesus is in your walk. Involve them into your lives. Come alongside them, not just in serving in classrooms, but in gospel communities. Get down to eye level with a child and have a conversation with them. Let them see who Jesus is in you, not just in their parents as well. But ultimately, as a church, we believe it is our job to come alongside the parents so that they can do what God has commanded them to do. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7 says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your 
children. This is a command for parents, and we want to come alongside. And so we've tried many different ways. We'll do this about two or three times a year. And I understand some of you are like getting little sweaty palms, like this is uncomfortable for you. That's good. Lean into it. Let the Lord show you something. If you are here today and you're like, I don't have kids, and you see a couple parents jostling a few, move seats, go sit next to them and say, hey, how can I be a part of this with you? How can I see the scripture through the eyes of a child? How can I, how can I sing through seeing it, how a child worships and sings in that way. And so to get started, um, we're going to do things, we always do things a little bit differently here. Again, not meant to be too, um, too cheeky, so to say, but just in the sense of trying to find a different way to creatively speak the scriptures to others. So I need three volunteers, please. Three kid volunteers. Three kid volunteers. Anyone? Okay, yes, Jay has one. Yep. Come on, I need two more. Two more. Yes, come on up here. Nice work. One more. Come on, one more bold person. There we go, right there in the back. Thank you. Yes, come on up. Okay, perfect. Oh, okay, okay, perfect. We'll deal with him in a second. Okay, come on up here. Come on up here. You guys stand up here. Say your names nice and loud. Starting right here. What's your Titus. name? Titus. Hosea. Hosea. Jaya. And Jack. Okay, he's dead. Um, okay, Titus, here's what I need you to do. Can you get us to where we need to go? We need to know the way, please. Go ahead, grab the map. Where we, we need with the way. Come on. There. Get us the what? <laughs> Nicaragua? Wait, no, no. Like where? We need to know how to get the way. What is the way? Let me, let me, let me add this. How do we get to God? Show me the way on the map. Oh, where God is. Where's God on the map? Uh, nowhere. Nowhere. Okay. God's in heaven. God's in heaven. Okay. All right. So not on this map. Maybe we should try the Costa Rica side. Would that help? <laughs> no? Okay, not there. Okay. All right, well, that, that didn't work. Thank you, Titus, for your help. Okay. Hosea, what's the truth? God. Okay, but, but like the truth, like the, the right truth in there. Can you tell me what the right truth is, please? What do you mean by the right truth? The truth. Like, what's the truth? Come on, you know this. All right, all right, no truth, okay, okay. Jaya, Jack has died, but it's important that you bring him back to life. How would you do it, except for the fact that you need to know this, he was born dead? He was born? Yeah, so how would you bring him back to life? Would you kick him? No. Okay. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> You'd baptize him? Yeah. Okay, well, get him up. Where's the water? Let's go. <laughs> so, no, so no way, no truth, and no life. Really? I mean, nothing, you got nothing on him? He was born dead, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to fold this map up. That's going to be the hardest thing in the world. <laughs> All right, thank you guys. You guys go down. Thank you, Jack, for dying. <laughs> um, Mary, will you come on up here? Where are you? Mary's going to read our scripture for the day. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am going, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, 
Have I been with you so long you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just praise you for the truth that uh, your Son came down to bear the sins, God, of, of ours, God, and that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that he's the, the only way, God. So I just pray that you would speak through Bren this morning um, by your Spirit. Father, that you would illuminate in our hearts the areas where we don't believe that truth and that we would walk in it by your grace um, and extend it to the others uh, to others that are around us, Lord. We thank you for uh, being able to gather together this morning, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for uh, humoring me there with the ambiguous questions of what you needed to volunteer with. I understand that I didn't leave you much direction there, but have you ever... Um, felt like you've had a troubled heart. Let me define that for you. Have you ever felt like you've um, been anxious or fearful or um, maybe afraid or scared? Show of hands if that's ever happened, if you've ever felt that way. Okay, everyone has in some way. Um, one of the, the things that is probably the most scary in life, some of the things that I think that every single one of us would admit, especially as adults and kids, if you hear this, pay attention to it because as adults, I think this is very true of most of us. Um, as, as adults, when we don't know where we're going, it can bring a bunch of fear. And I've seen this. It, it's funny. If you, you just spend a little bit of time on a college campus, you can see, you can see the, like, the stars and the fear of what am I doing? Where am I going? What's going to happen in life? If, you don't, if, you're, if you're unaware of where you're going in general, you, you kind of feel out of control. And out of control brings about more fear and more chaos. Uh, another thing that, that, that really ultimately will bring about fear and even potential despair is this idea of truth. What is truth? See, the world will try to spend the entirety of its time in every situation, in every place, trying to tell you that there is other truths than the truth. You'll find yourself at fear at moments going, what if I'm believing something that's not true? Every child in here at some point in your journey, whether you're following the Lord yet or not, will ask this question of, do I really believe what my parents have been teaching me? Is it really the truth? These are questions that will come that will bring about anxiety or fear. And then ultimately, the biggest one is where do we have life? Where does life come from? How do we have eternal life? We're not just living where we're breathing and eating and doing those things, but how do we, how do we have life? And all three of those bring about immense fear, or as the scriptures call it here, a troubled heart. It's interesting, you look at Thomas's question, he, he He's feeling what all of the disciples are feeling. If you, if you can remember back in, in John 13, we, it was a few weeks ago when we were there, but there's a, there's a couple statements. Jesus has just declared that he's going away in as clear terms as possible. And to these men who spent every single day of their life for about three years around him to say he's going away and, saying, and then him saying things like, where I'm going now, you cannot follow. That brings about some fear of where, where do we go? How do we, how do we get to there? And then, and then he tells Peter who... But let's be honest, all of the other disciples knew that Peter was, was Peter. He was one of the inner three. He was one that Jesus spent the most time with. He was kind of the most bold and brash person. He tells Peter that he's going to not only leave him, but deny him three times before the next morning. 
And so what happens to these disciples is all of a sudden they start fearing, they start getting anxious, they start feeling despair, they start feeling um, chaos and, and disturbed or afraid. And Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Now, what's interesting about this term, if you think about it, he's, he's not saying, don't, don't worry, there won't be any trouble. He's saying, let your hearts not be troubled. So by saying that, let me hear that, and hear me on this. This is very important. Every single one of us need to understand you will not remove trouble from this world. It's what your heart does in the trouble is what Jesus is speaking to. Jesus is saying, hey, there's a way, there's a way to have a troubled, free heart in a world full of trouble. There's a way for us to have a troubled, free heart in a world full of trouble. And, and Philip wants to see it. He's like, Can I, if I could just see God, if you could just show me God, then I wouldn't have that heart-troubled moment. If, if Thomas is like, if you could just tell us how to get there and then know where we're going, then, then my heart wouldn't be troubled. And many of us do the same thing today. We say all kinds of different things. If I could just do X, Y, or Z, if I could just do enough of the same thing, then my heart wouldn't be troubled. Then I'd feel a peace. And Jesus actually gives us a step-by-step process to having a troubled-free heart. See, when we feel troubled, we most likely have a belief in Jesus problem. See, because at the very beginning, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me as you have believed in the Father. He's, he's, he's telling his disciples, look, you already believe in God. You know that and you believe in God. And ultimately what he's saying is you believe in God and you don't even see him. You can't see God. And in a moment, you won't be able to see me, but believe in me as well. So what are, what are ways that he tells us to believe in him? He, believe, he, says, he says a number of different things here that I think would be really important for us to remember, and we're going to kind of run through them fairly quickly, and then we'll get back to singing and spending some time together. But my hope would be that at the end of this, there are some questions, fairly simple questions on the back table back there that you would take and go further with at home. Instead of me talking about all of it, I would love for you as parents as roommates, as friends, as gospel communities to kind of go through it together and go deeper there. Um, All of these things, he says, we don't have to strive to earn. We don't have to find the secrets. We just need to believe that he's the way. And this is what Jesus says, and it's interesting, when he says it this way in in this gospel right here, John flips it from the prologue from chapter 1. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. In, in chapter one, he says he's the life, the truth, and the way. He flips the order and says, no, no, if you want to get to God, if you want to know what it means to be with God, if you want to know the way, you don't need a map of Nicaragua. You don't need some kind of weird setups in this way. You just need to know that ultimately Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only way. Now, interesting, think about this. This seems so exclusive for Jesus to say, but remember the audience to whom he's saying it. He's sitting in the room with his disciples. At this moment, just the 11, Judas is already gone. And he's telling them, I'm the way. I'm the way. If you want to get to the Father, you must come through me. In fact, he says the, the, the inverse, the negative way, he says, no one gets to the Father except through me. So the only map you ever need in life is Jesus. Romans 10.9 says it this way. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus says in verse 6 that there's no other way to God. If you, kids, hear this. If you not confess that your parents' faith is the way, confess in your heart that Jesus is the way. Like, Like we saw those who got baptized last week confessing. 
believing, acknowledging at the center of who you are, every fiber of who you are, that He is the way, that He is, he is the way to God, that only He and He alone can get you there. Acknowledging means that He is true. Lord is, is putting Jesus not just as, as a Savior, but also as someone who you surrender your entire life to. See, Jesus says, if you want an untroubled heart, you need to know the way, and the way is ultimately through me. Jesus goes on and says that if, that's, if you're going to struggle with that, the reason why Jesus is ultimately the way is because he is the truth and he is the life, but we'll talk about those individually here. He says you must believe that he's the truth, that he is authentic, that all that he says is upright, and that he is literally the truth. In fact, he is full of grace and full of truth. John 1.14 says this, and the word, speaking of Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He's full of grace and truth, not full of one, not mostly one and mostly the other, but full of grace and truth. Jesus is the truth. Now, now please hear me on this. Even adults in this room, we wrestle with this fact. We wrestle because it seems so simple at sometimes we want to move on from it and we forget that ultimately all truth is Jesus. Jesus is the word. He became flesh. He is God and he is the truth. So if you want an untroubled heart, not only do you need to know the way, which is Jesus, you need to understand that Jesus is the truth. It's very simple, really, in, 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 in understanding, incredibly difficult in practicality, in living it out. But someone who understands that Jesus is the way will, will spend their entire time looking to Jesus on where to go. And someone that understands that Jesus is the truth, they know that wherever Jesus tells them to go, they must go because they know he's not a liar. He's the truth. So if you want an untroubled heart, you must believe in him as you believe in God by believing that he's the way, by believing that he is the truth, and by believing that he is the life or eternal life comes through him. Uh, who has John 3.16 memorized? Come on, come on. All right, say it out loud. It's up there for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's not just a, a memorizable verse, guys. That's the truth. To put your belief in Jesus is to have eternal life. That means that no matter how troubled or difficult this life gets, we know that we have an eternal life. We have a life that goes on beyond this world because ultimately God is saving us through his son, Jesus Christ. The reason why Jesus says that they can't come with him now and the reason why Jesus is making the way is Jesus is going to the cross. See, the, the disciples are, struggle, are struggling with the idea of Jesus being gone and they're saying they want to go with him and Jesus is saying, look, you can't, you can't go where I'm going. I'm leading the way by going first to the cross. Believing in me as eternal life, believing in me for eternal life is what's going to come on the other side of the cross. Yet, even as adults, if we're honest here, even when we believe that he is the way, we believe that he is the truth, and we believe that he is the eternal life, we continually wrestle with a troubled heart. Am I, am I right in that? We continually wrestle with this. Kids, you need to see this. This is important. The wrestling is not the problem. It's where we look for the answer. It's okay to wrestle this, but when we start looking beyond Jesus... We don't find the answers that we need, and we end up with 
more anxiety, more strife, more struggles. So if you want an untroubled heart, you need to believe that he is, you need to believe in Jesus as you believe in God, that Jesus is the way, that he's the truth, and that he's the life. And then he adds a couple other ones that are really wonderful here. In his answer to Philip, which we'll talk a little bit more about that next week, but in his answer to Philip, he says that, that you need to understand that, that the Father and I are one. Philip says, if I could just see God, then my heart wouldn't be troubled. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen God. Which, let's just, let's just pause on that for a moment. All of the things that Jesus is saying here, if they aren't true, he's absolutely crazy. He is calling himself the only way to God. He is saying, if you've seen him, you have seen God. He's, he's declaring all the things that, that ultimately John had set out a long time ago, said, I'm, I'm just trying to show you that, that Jesus is fully God and that he is the way to salvation. Unapologetically, John has been making that point through all of this gospel. Uh, John 14, 10 through 11, what we just read here, what Mary just read for us, it says, do not believe that I am... Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. What is he saying? He's saying, look, you can, the, the very things that I do should give you enough reason to believe. The very things that you've walked with me and seen me do over and over and over again, that should give you enough hope. They watched him raise Lazarus from the dead. They watched him turn a few fish and pieces of bread a couple times into feeding thousands of people. They watched him do miracle after miracle after miracle. And he said, none of these things were for my glory, but for the Father's glory. If you want to see God, just look at the works that I've done. No one other than that of God can do this. This is the very thing he says to John the Baptist when John the Baptist is doubting. John the Baptist, is, he's imprisoned. He's in fear that maybe he, he pronounced the wrong person. And so he sends his disciples to Jesus and says, go find out. Ask him if he's the one. And Jesus doesn't answer the question. Jesus says, okay, just follow me for a second. And Jesus goes and he heals the blind and he helps the lame walk. And then he tells his disciples after a day of seeing miracle after miracle saying, tell him the blind see and the lame walk. And John the next day dies in peace knowing that he did what God had asked him to do. Believe that he and the Father are one is another way to have a less, a, an untroubled heart. But the one that I skipped over today, and this is the one I think is probably the the biggest problem that we have, and we've talked about this in the last few weeks as well, but it's the biggest problem that I think we have when it comes to our troubled hearts. And kids, I want you to hear me on this. Please don't make the same mistakes that us adults keep making. The biggest problem, and, the re and it's actually where Jesus starts. It's where Jesus starts, and he talks about this idea. He says, hey, hey, I'm leaving you, but I'm going to prepare a place. My, my, my father's house, there are many dwelling places. In the, in the context to... Um, to this day and age, what would happen is if I wanted to, to marry Jen, I would go and make a, a proposal to Jen, and then I would go back to my parents' house, and I would start building on a room at my parents' house for Jen and I to be in. And once the room was done, the wedding ceremony would happen, and then I'd bring her back to my home, which was tied onto my parents' property, and they just keep adding these houses. And Jesus speaks this language out to his disciples, which should have, in a, in a brilliant way, helped them understand what's going on. And he says, look, look, I'm, I'm, the, bride, I'm the bridegroom. I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. 
And, and don't, don't see it all the way through as if like heaven isn't completed because we know that in the ultimate when Jesus comes back, it's new heavens, new earth together. But they see that, that Jesus is, is going to prepare a place for them. Uh, John 14, 3 says it this way. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. See, this is the biggest key to not having a troubled heart. Because we recognize that even though Jesus is gone, and the disciples could understand that even though he's leaving, he's going somewhere. He's preparing something. What is he doing? He's preparing a way by going to the cross. And he's going to do something very beautiful. And this is what I want every single one of you to hear. He doesn't say, he talks about the dwelling places and the houses and all that stuff. But ultimately, the promise doesn't come in him taking them to a place. It comes in him coming himself to bring them to himself. This is the promise that we lose sight of so often. This is what makes life so difficult for us. This is why our hearts become so troubled so quickly, because we forget that Jesus himself is coming for us. He is coming to us. He is drawing us to himself. It doesn't matter where we go. It doesn't matter where that place is. As long as we are with him, we should have no trouble in our hearts at all. No matter how tough it gets in this world, we realize that this isn't home. And home isn't, is only where Jesus is. Jesus takes us to himself. He comes himself and takes us to himself. Guys, that is the best promise we could ever have. If you want to have a, a troubled, free heart, you got to remember that believe in Jesus as you believe in God and in believing in Jesus that he's the way, that he's the truth, that he's the life, that he and the Father are one and that ultimately he is coming back. That as much time and energy as you spend preparing your life to have this wonderful, beautiful little existence on this earth, that this earth is not home. The brokenness and the pain and the strife and the fear and the anxiety, all of those things go away when Jesus comes again. We can, as a church, have a troubled free heart because we know that ultimately Jesus is coming. He's coming again. That means that we can have hope knowing that this isn't home, this is temporary. So as much as you love your home and you love your room and you love your toys and you love your bed and you love your things, all of those things go away and Jesus is bringing something far greater than anything else himself. And we as his children, all of us who declare Jesus as our God, or declare God as our God, Jesus as, as the way, all of us as his children can know that home is with him. So all the troubles in this world can fade away. See, I think the problem is, is that we get so fixated on this short life, on this very, very, very short existence that we have that we forget that we have an eternal existence with our Father in heaven on the new earth and the new heavens. James says it this way. He says in 4.13, he says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet do you not know what tomorrow or yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Did I get you? I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. It's good. That's all he says our life is here. It's here today, gone tomorrow. And yet we spend so much time worrying about this little mist that is gonna disappear. In no time. Smells delightful, though. I don't know what I took for my wife. That's awesome. We spend so much time and energy trying to, to, to make the mist last longer 
when ultimately it's here today and gone tomorrow. When our hope and our joy isn't, isn't something that we can, we can hold on to as, as a possession that we buy with our, with our money or a place that we dwell in that's, that's ultimately going to go away. Our hope and joy lies beyond the mist and that Jesus is coming back and he's ushering in a new heaven and a new earth. And so anytime you find life troubling, which it is, you can go, I don't need to have my heart troubled. I don't need to fear or have anxiety or, or, or be moved to despair because I know ultimately that this mist will be gone and I will spend an eternity in the presence of Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. Make your life about Jesus. One scholar says it this way. He says, Jesus is moving his disciples from troubled to trusting. Let not your hearts be troubled. That's the negative. Then the positive. Believe in God. Believe also in me. What is the great antidote he gives to being troubled or being anxious or fearful? It's faith. Our faith should bring about a boldness an excitement and a joy that we could live through this disgustingly troubled world knowing that we have a hope that transcends every bit of it. Kids, if you are here today and you have not professed faith in Jesus Christ, I tell you right now, the parents that are sitting next to you, there is nothing more that they want for you than that, even if at times they have failed to show you that. If you have not given your life over to him for salvation, you have not surrendered to him as the way, the truth, and the life, then the, the best decision you can ever make in your life is not what college you go to, how much money you put in your 401k, who you marry. The best decision you can ever make in your life is to give yourself entirely to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what we want for you. That's what I want for my kids. That's what I want for you. And, and kids, hear me on this. Please, please hear me on this. Forgive us adults for displaying troubled hearts too often. It's not, it's not the way that it's meant to be, but we, we may have mistakenly missed out on the way, the truth, and the life at times. We may have, we have maybe need to just re, refocus our compass back north. We need to find the map that we can't fold up. If you want to live this life with a, without a troubled heart, a life that will bring so much trouble to you, the only way that comes is through Jesus. And if we forget that Jesus is coming again, then we will still continually be riddled with anxiety and fear because we'll continually let the things of this mist of a life become more important than the eternity of life with Jesus. Will you pray with me, kids? You guys pray? Father, thank you for, um, thank you for your word. Thank you for the goodness of who you are. Lord, thank you for Jesus, for giving us away, for giving me away. Thank you for reminding me that it is faith, not fear. That it is trust, not fear, God, that I can trust you in everything you're doing in my life, that, that no matter how difficult the days get, my heart does not need to be troubled. Only you can command a non-troubled heart because you gave us a way to not have a troubled heart, Lord, through Jesus. And God, for the kids that are here today and the adults that are here today that have not professed faith in you, God, I pray that you would draw their hearts out to you in a mighty way. That they would declare you as Lord in their life. And they would never spend a single day looking at any other thing for the way, the truth, or the life, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. Please visit revolution22.org to find out more information about our church. We remind you to continue to value community. We pray that God's word has drawn you closer to him and that you may continue to love God 